0: Okay friends, good morning. We are in the book of Proverbs still. We started a series on several weeks ago on Proverbs. Don't leave home without it. We need the wisdom and the instruction of Proverbs. So uh, take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 6. And just as a quick uh, reminder in case this is is the first Sunday you've been here since we've been in Proverbs. uh, Proverbs is one of the wisdom books of the Old Testament. So we have uh, Proverbs, we have Ecclesiastes, we have the Book of Job. Uh, Some of the Psalms are wisdom literature, and the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Psalms, has some wisdom literature in it. And it well may be that your Book of Proverbs was the textbook that some young men in ancient Israel used when they went to a school that was run by these wise men, these wise sages, who were teaching them wisdom, God's counsel. When you read in Proverbs, um, the word wisdom is synonymous with understanding or knowledge or discernment or insight. So anytime you read those words, they're talking about the same thing in the book of Proverbs. Sometimes that wisdom is of a practical matter. It may be that you need a practical skill or ability, and that's considered wisdom. Or it may be that you need some special ethical or moral or spiritual insight and that comes to us as a gift from God so Proverbs is a great book we've looked uh, a couple Sundays ago at this idea of wisdom what is the part we play and the part that God plays last Sunday we looked at marriage what does the book of Proverbs have to tell us about marriage so this morning uh, turn to chapter 6 you uh, open up your Bibles to the mo- most Bibles. If you open it up in the very middle, you'll get to somewhere around Psalms or Proverbs, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Uh, if you're on your mobile device, you don't have that problem, do you? You just plug it in and it comes up. Okay, we're in chapter 6, verse 16, and it says, There are six things the Lord hates. I'm just kind of pausing to let that sink in for a minute. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him or are an abomination to him. The Hebrew word is toava. So we've got to break some of this down for a minute, okay? First of all, there are six things the Lord hates. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't realize that God hates. I thought the witness of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures and the Christian Scriptures, is that God loves. I mean, don't, don't we all know John three sixteen? Say it with me. Let's, let's just say the first part of it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. I mean, that, that's the witness of our faith. God loves. So what's this business about that God hates? Now, I even went and looked up the Hebrew word for hate, hoping, because sometimes in language, you know, there are different words that can be used to describe the single word that we have in English. You know, for instance, in the Greek, there are four words for love. So I went to the Hebrew and looked up hate just to see if I could tone it down a little bit, if we could lessen the impact of hate. And and I got bad news for you this morning. I can't tone it down. That's what the Hebrew word means. Hate is hate. There are six things that the Lord hates. And then it goes on to say, seven that are an abomination to him or are detestable to him that are toavah to him. So we got to kind of break that down for a minute. So let me put some things on the screen for you this morning. And let's talk for a minute about toavah. Let's talk about abomination. Let's talk about detestable. Toava, that Hebrew word, is used 117 times in the Old Testament. And it's translated abomination, detestable, abhorrent, you could use that, or something that is d- despicable. It means something that offends our sensibilities. Uh, it can be a behavior that makes you ritually unclean and unacceptable in God's presence until you clean yourself up. Or it can be something that's a taboo. Now, if you look in Leviticus 11, chapters 11 through 15, you see a lot of things that make you ritually unclean. For instance, eating certain foods. Or following childbirth, a woman is unclean. If you have a male child, you're unclean. I think it's for 30 days. If if, if it's a female child, it's 60 days you're unclean Uh, if you have certain infectious skin diseases like leprosy you're unclean if you have mildew in your house there's a bunch of you guys unclean in this place today because I know you got some mildew someplace you are ritually unclean and certainly bodily discharges makes a person ritually unclean and, and you can't go to the temple or you could you can't go to the to the tabernacle to worship until you are clean in god's sight to are pure now leviticus 18 and 20 we call chapter 17 through 26 the holiness code you must be clean even as i am clean or pure says god but leviticus 18 and 20 does describe a man lying with a man as being toavah. We've talked about this before about homosexuality. Interestingly, it doesn't say a woman lying with a woman. And by the way, there's only th- these are only two places in the Old Testament that, and three places in the New Testament where this is described. But understand that toavah, abomination, things that are detestable in Leviticus 18 includes premarital sex, adultery, sex with blood relatives sex with a menstruating woman many of these prohibitions require being cut off from the people you can't be a part of the family any longer or the death penalty isn't that kind of interesting then Leviticus 19 we have some more prohibitions slander well we got a lot of folks gonna get cut off for that mating different kind of animals or sowing two seeds in the same field Prohibitions, you know that? Clothing that has two different materials. You, you all want to check everything real fast here? Just see if you're ritually unclean this morning. Uh, eating meat with blood. You like your meat rare? you big trouble, folks. Cutting your hair on the side or trimming your beard. Tattoos. Now I've stopped preaching and started meddling, hadn't I? <laughs> Prostitution, mediums, and spiritualists, and mistreating the alien or the immigrant. That's all in Leviticus 19. Then Leviticus 20 uh, has similar sexual prohibitions in chapter 18, but it also includes if a child curses a parent. It requires the death penalty where our country would see thousands of teenagers executed on a daily basis if if that were the case now Deuteronomy 14 has tova abominations detestable things if you eat pork rabbit shellfish or an animal that's already dead you have committed an abomination tova now now, hey, we're all family, right? We can be honest with one another. How many of you in the last month have eaten barbecue or fish, seafood? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Oh, you're going to burn, praise God. Hallelujah, you're going to burn. Because you've eaten something that is tovah. It's an abomination. It's detestable. All right, then we get into Ezekiel. Chapter 18, abominations, Toavah, includes violence, idol worship, adultery, oppressing the poor and needy, robbery, not honoring one's pledge, charging interest on loans, all which result in the death penalty. All right, now we're all family, right? How many of you either have or do now work for a bank? If you work for a bank or you do now work for it, come on, raise your hand, raise them high. I, I, I don't want to see any of these little half stuff here. Any of those banks you work for charge interest? You're, you're involved in an abominable practice. You've committed tovah, according to old Hebrew scripture teachings. Uh, Ezekiel 22, abominations, tovah include contemptuous treatment of parents we've already talked about that mistreatment of aliens orphans and widows why is the old testament the hebrew scriptures so intent on telling the people to remember the immigrant the stranger the alien in your land because god says you are an alien You were a stranger in the land of Egypt for 400 years and God brought you up out of there with a strong and mighty hand and you remember how those Egyptians treated you. They didn't treat you like family. You're going to treat those aliens and those strangers, those immigrants with the same rights and love and respect. You got any politicians on either side of the aisle you're hearing this from today? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So that's why the Hebrew people were told to remember the stranger more than they were told to remember the Sabbath. It's an abomination. Then we've got profaning the Sabbath. You do two things on the Sabbath. You worship well and you rest well. How many many Christians don't follow Sabbath teaching and profane the Sabbath? It's a tolava. It's an abomination. We don't even think about it slandering we've talked about that taking bribes various sexual sins all of that resulting in God's judgment then Ezekiel 44 abominations include admitting foreigners to the temple and profaning the temple when offering sacrifices and then other proverb abominations include false business scales lying lips arrogance kings doing evil our leaders doing evil the scoffer and ignoring the law have i got anything else to show up there am i good on that uh yeah you can hold that we'll come back to that in just a minute we'll come back to galatians in a minute in fact you can take it off the screen for just a second all right now i got an observation to make with you got an observation to make with you this morning you saw all of those things that make a person ritually unclean and are abominations they are they are detestable they are despicable And I just want you to just observe with me how many of the things we've just listed we have normalized and we have said are okay for us to do. If I want to get a good barbecue meal, God doesn't care. If I want to eat shellfish, it's all right. If I want to not show up for five Sundays in a row and profane the Sabbath, it's fine. If I don't care about the treatment of immigrants and widows and children, I, I, hey, we just sing the song, I'm going home, right? I'm going to heaven. And yet some things we still focus in with laser-like intensity, and God, oh no, God's really upset about that. And most of the time, it's the things that other people are doing that God's still upset about, but the things I'm still doing, God's okay with. I just want to make that observation with you this morning. Because we've swept a lot of things under the carpet. And we've said they don't apply. Now, that's what Toavah is. Let's go back to our text this morning. There are six things the Lord hates. Can't clean up that word. Tried to. No other word except he hates. Seven things that are Toavah detestable, abominations to him. Now what we have here in these uh, verses 16 through 19 is what we call a numerical saying. We've got numerical sayings in Proverbs, we've got at least two things, and then it ends with the final statement, and they all have a common characteristic, and the last statement sums it all up. The very last statement sums it all up. What are they? And I want you to notice that the first five are organs of the body. Okay? We got haughty eyes. We got a lying tongue. We got hands that shed innocent blood. We got a heart that devises wicked schemes. We've got feet that are quick to rush into evil. And and those are our five uh, parts of the body. And then a false witness who pours out lies. That's number six. And then the last one that sums it all up. A man who stirs up or sends forth dissension. Or maybe your translation says strife or discord. A man who sends forth dissension among brothers. That's the, the thing that summarizes it all. And all of that stuff we've just read is tovah. It's an abomination. It's detestable to God. Now, now let's just kind of break it down. The first one is a haughty eye. That means it's a proud look. You you, you know anybody you work with? Got a neighbor? Got a family member? Know somebody anywhere you've seen on TV? Entertainment world, sports world, political world? Just fill in the blank. You know anybody that you see and they've got that prideful look? Actually, you could translate that a prideful wink. As if I got everything under control. I sure wish you had it under control like me. You know, you know, folks who've got a lot of pride about who they are and what they do, how they've got everything under control, uh, a haughty eye or a proud look. Then we've got a lying tongue. You know anybody who, every time their mouth moves, it seems that there is deceit. deception you can't trust their word you can't count on that individual. you got somebody in your family somebody you work with somebody who's a neighbor somebody who has a lying tongue and then we have hands that shed innocent blood you know anybody or read about anybody recently that shed some innocent blood do you realize that in our country already this year, I said something about this a couple of weeks ago, but you realize in our country that already this year we have had 250 mass murders, shootings in this country in 2019? 250 in which well over close to 1,100 people have been shot. And well over 200 people have been killed. It's closing in on 300 people. Hands that shed innocent blood. It's tolava. It's an abomination. And then we've got a heart that devises wicked schemes. That, that word wicked means something that's troublesome for a person that causes them deep sorrow and hurt and pain. Hands, or rather a heart, That devises wicked scheme you know in the Hebrew thinking the heart is not just the seat of emotions the heart is the command center it's the place where decisions are made it's the place where choices are executed so a heart that command center that will that devises those evil schemes that cause trouble and sorrow and pain in people's heart. You, you know anybody? You read about anybody who is like that recently? To God, it's tovah. It's an abomination. Then feet that are quick to rush into evil. And then we've almost got a courtroom scene here, a false witness, and you could translate that, who blows out or breathes out lies. Again, someone whose word you cannot count on. And then we sum it all up. A man who stirs up or who sends forth dissension, strife, discord among brothers. That's the, that's the final straw. That's the, the final statement that summarizes all of these abominations, tova that God detests. Now, lest you think this is only a theme of the old testament the apostle paul has some things to say about this and let's put this scripture back up from galatians uh, on the screen because paul is writing here about the the acts of the sinful nature and the acts of the person who is filled with the spirit the acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality impurity debauchery idolatry You you know, worshiping other gods or giving your loyalty to somebody else is really big in Scripture. Idolatry and witchcraft. And now we're getting a little closer to what we've been talking about this morning. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions. then, Then there's that word, dissensions, factions, and envy drunkenness and orgies and the like I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God you know we don't often think that uh, people who have selfish ambition are not going to inherit the kingdom of God do we I I mean we just sweep that one right under the rug see how we normalize our behavior and some stuff really counts big and other stuff is not that big to God or dissensions dissensions in our world dissension in our church dissension in the school system dissension in your work system. I mean just pick a place dissension factions drunkenness I mean jealousy we we often think God's okay with that stuff Well, according to Paul those folks who engage in that and live their life in that way will not inherit the kingdom of God but lest you think that Paul and Scripture is all negative Let's give a positive thing for how we ought to uh, live. Go to the next scripture, please. Look what Paul writes in Romans 12. Live in harmony with one another. Boy, we need some harmony in our world today. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone and then look what uh what is written in colossians what paul gives us there bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another forgive as the lord forgave you now we got to go back to where we started this morning we began began with there are six things the lord hates So does God hate? I think this is what we need to say. I think it's true that God does not hate people. He loves every one of us. But there are some behaviors that God detests. He abhors. He dislikes. It it displeases him greatly. And, And let me give you this analogy. How many of you in this room... parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles raise your hand all right put your hands down now how many of you teach in some shape form or fashion students in school or you teach Sunday school or in other ways raise your hand high all right now raise your hand if you just love it when your children or your students get it get after it with one another just raise your hand if you just love it when they're arguing and fighting And or at discord you all do love it don't you no of course you don't of course you don't it it used to break my heart when my kids would fight with one another I, I didn't want to see them tussling with one another and now I'm sitting back as a grandparent watching my children's hearts be broken as their kids are fighting with one another Brothers and sisters like to go at it, don't they? And brothers and sisters in the church sometimes go at it. And it breaks God's heart. And that's why he hates behavior that causes dissension among his children. And we forget that sometimes. But God loves and he celebrates all of us and he loves it when we live at peace with one another. He loves it when we forgive one another he loves it when we're willing to put up with each other because of the great grace of God because you know when we look closely at ourselves we see a whole lot of stuff that needs forgiving and isn't it wonderful when we can live that way with each other as well I want to show you a video here for a moment that El Paso Texas shooting there was a family there who lost a daughter and a son-in-law in in that shooting who were shielding their two-month-old child. And there are two other children in the family who are now fatherless and motherless as well. And I want you to see the reaction of this family to that tragedy in their life. Put that on the video for us please.
1: The Jemrowski family can't hold back their tears as they recount the loss they're experiencing. Misty and Paul Jemrowski's son-in-law Andrea Anchando and their daughter Jordan were two of 22 people killed by a suspected terrorist at an El Paso Walmart. We pray a lot and uh, we have a lot of family and friends but you're just broken. Like you go to call her you, you forget that she's not there. Letta and Ashley lost their sister and brother-in-law. It's like her and Andre were like my,
0: my heart. It's like I lost a part of me.
1: Liz Terry and Jesse Jamrowski lost a niece and nephew. Five-year-old Skylyn lost her mother and stepfather. I love my mom and dad. Her brother, two-month-old Paul Gilbert, was in his mother's arms when she crashed to the ground after being shot. The shooter had aimed at Jordan, and Andre jumped in front of of Jordan, and the shooter shot Andre, and the bullets bullets went through Andre and hit Jordan. Both were killed, leaving Paul Gilbert orphaned and injured. The sad thing is is that even with all of us, it's mom and dad. (laughs) You can't replace mom and dad doesn't hurt, that's just something you can't replace." This is the devastating ripple effect of murder, the pain slicing across generations. After all the hate spewed by the suspected gunman, the Jamrowski's say they're sticking to something else to get through the hurt, love, faith and forgiveness. Before they have even had a chance to bury the dead, they had a message for the killer.
0: We forgive him. We honestly forgive him. We pray for him. We hope that he finds God because God teaches you to be loving. I can't even fathom what it's like to be in that family situation. But what I know is that They are putting their faith into practice. And that's the invitation for us. As far as it is possible, with you, live at peace with one another and forgive even as God has forgiven us.